Welcome to the Maritime Vision Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Wioli. In each episode, we bring you exclusive interviews with maritime professionals, industry experts, and students. Our guests come from different backgrounds, including shipping, yachting, offshore, and more. Our goal is to give you all the knowledge you need to succeed in the maritime industry. Hello everyone, welcome back to a new podcast episode. And today in this podcast episode, we're going to talk about yacht brokerage. And the best way to do it, this is to discuss with a yacht broker. So the guest of today, this is Jonathan Brown. He is a very experienced yacht broker. He worked in various companies on different kinds of yachts. So this is the best way to gain insight into the job of yacht broker. So this podcast episode is a masterclass for people who want to know more about this job, who want to know more about the challenges we have in this job, and especially for young yacht broker, this is a real masterclass because Jonathan will give you the best tips you need to succeed as a yacht broker. So let's start right now. So it's a pleasure to having you, uh, Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan, can you introduce yourself, please? Okay, uh, my name's Jonathan Brown. I've lived in France for about 20, 21 years. Uh, before that, I was largely based on the south coast in uh, in England around Southampton. And um, I started off really in, I started off actually, uh, my very early career was as a passenger boat uh, driver going back many, many years. And I've also worked as, a, as an engineer on flotilla in Greece. Um, and uh, my sales career really started in new boat sales. So I did new boat sales for many years. And then brokerage kind of crept up on me. I had no real intention of becoming a yacht broker. It's just that we ended up taking a lot of part exchanges when we did the new boat sales. And so I started off Um, selling our, our own stock, our own used boats, and then people will bring us boats um, for us to sell. So I'd set, you know, start selling those too. And um, then I, you know, new boat sales began to fall by the wayside. And I did more and more new boat sales, uh, sorry, used boat sales and brokerage. Okay. And when I first started off, I was probably the world's worst yacht broker. Um, huh. I really... I made lots of mistakes. I didn't really have the patience for it, you know, because I think as a yacht broker, you have to have patience, but I wasn't really very patient. And, um, you know, I wasn't a, a very good broker and it, it took me, it took me a while to sort of, um, develop the patience necessary to become a yacht broker, because it's a very different thing with the new boat set with the new boat sales yes you need patience for that but it's sort of i don't know i think it's more straightforward in many ways and also as a new uh, when you sell new boats you get to know a lot a lot about the product you're selling and really you you know general knowledge about the rest of the industry is useful but you become very product specific And so we were selling new boat sales. We were selling Jeannot and we also sold Azimut. Mm. So we got to know a lot about, you know, the Azimut 46 or the Azimut 55 or 62, whatever it was. You know, we knew a lot about that, but didn't really know a great deal about anything else. You know, mm. other, the stuff that was outside our own remit. Okay. And, um, and brokerage is, you know, you know a great deal about, well, Or you know a little, a little about a lot of a lot of different yachts, and 
you know you learn on the job really so it's a different different way of um you know walking conducting yourself in the industry yeah so what kind of boats on the yacht did you sail in in your life i mean sailing sailing boats uh, motor boat um well i hadn't done i've never sold uh, new sailing boats i've done a few sailboats on brokerage um i've had my own sailing boat i you know i quite like you know sailing i think is a great activity um motorboat wise um um i started off selling um sea ray you know an american manufacturer and yeah we we, we, we our company was quite prolific at selling sea ray yachts sea ray boats sorry You know, and these were little boats. These uh, most of these went on trailers. You know, behind your car. You yeah. Know, um, you know, they weren't big boats. In fact, prior to that, I was selling you know boats that probably nobody's ever heard of anymore because they're they're no longer really in production. You know, Picton mm. and Fletcher and stuff like that. Um, so you know, that was how you know a lot of people you know going back a while started their. Um, boating was by buying a boat which they hooked behind their car and left in their driveway like a you know yeah. um and then gradually boats got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and you know what was a big boat to me 25 30 years ago now is you yeah. know not such a big boat yes yachting became a very big before a motor yacht was considering like a 20 20 meters boat was considering like a quite a big yacht but now yeah. now it's like a boat i mean it's not a yacht anymore for people it's not a, even a super yacht yeah no no you're right it's just a regular motorboat and i i can remember um my boss at the time helping me with my first sail of a 25 foot boat you know and mm. uh You know, because this was like big league. Um, I had arrived 25 feet. You know, I've sold tenders bigger than that now. You know, it's kind of a, yeah. the whole ind whole industry's turned on its head. But over a long period of time, and brokerage has changed. You know, too. You know, um, at one time when we did the photography for a, a brokerage boat, we'd take you know one picture of the outside and one picture of the inside, and then kind of that was it. Um, and all your clients lived in a really, you know, geographically very close to, to where your dealership was. Um, and of course, now it's become a completely, you know, worldwide uh, marketplace. You know, I've, I'm speaking regularly to clients in the US um, and, 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 the, and the Middle East and not so much Asia, but certainly the US and, and, and Europe. You know, I've got clients there so um you know where before my my client base was in was within 60 kilometers mm. so you know that's changed as well and you know of course the internet has radically changed um, our industry yes so uh, i know that in your team we have two kind of specialization we have boating which is uh on so we have boating and then we have uh like super yachting so in your career did you work more in the boating industry or in the super yacht industry mainly boating okay you know yeah i mean uh, this year you know i've sold a 55 meter yacht um you know which was which was nice to do a bit of an adventure but most of my uh career has been you know f i would say f you know 15 to 
30 meter or 15 to 40, you know, 35, 40 meter. You know, that's really okay. been where the bulk of my experience lies. And, and you know, I, I'll still sell. I see myself very much as a, as a, as a general broker. I don't, I don't really care in, in a way, and I don't mean to sound this in a mercenary f fashion. I don't really care what I sell um, in terms of size or value because they all every deal counts you know and you know you can't you can't go to the supermarket with no money but you can go to the supermarket with a little money you yeah. know so that's kind of the way i look at um brokerage i mean it is a ridiculous illustration of this um i've got a a, a boat which is um it, it's a tender to a boat i sold earlier last year i wouldn't take it on as a new listing you understand but I've got a 2.3 meter speedboat for sale, mm. right? Which is I'm selling because the client asked me. I sold his big his bigger boat last year, and he's still got this thing and he wants me to sell it. So I don't really care, you know. I'll help him market and sell that, and you know I've got other yacht boats on my books which are, are 50 meters plus, okay. 65 meter, you know. So yeah, you need to be versatile. You mean like very important? Yeah, I don't encourage. Don't you know all owners out there of two point three meter yachts? I'm not your man, you know. But um, you know, perhaps fifty. You know, even a even a new ten meter yacht or twelve thirty meter yacht can be a million euros these yes. days. It's nuts. So I, the size size doesn't matter in the yachting industry. That's a, that's a good point. And uh, what kind of uh, advice or for a young broker, how can we start building like this customer database to find, um, you know, yacht buyers? On because it's not easy actually. No, um, it's it, it's really not easy. Um, I, I mean, you could try and I mean, I guess the obvious answer is to try and get a job as a trainee broker within a within a company which has structure. You know, mm -hmm. you. Um, you know, I've worked in some companies which have had really quite good structures. They may not suit you in the long term, but they might suit you in the short term where you can, you know, where you can learn a little bit. Mm. Um, uh, it's, you know, quite difficult if, you, if you've if you got no experience just to suddenly go out there and declare mm. yourself as a yacht broker because, you know, you have to be quite long in the tooth and have quite a lot of experience before you can actually put yourself in a position where you can have the confidence of your buyer and seller to, in order to conduct a transaction. And that's mm. really what it comes down to, your confidence, your not your arrogance, but your confidence because of what you've learned in the past. Okay. And in your personal experience, how did you, I, I imagine when you started as a yacht broker, you had like no, no, no network and... Uh... No, but I I worked within a company. I was already selling new boats, so we took used boats in, and then people brought us boats to sell. So that's kind of how I built that up. Um, when I started in France um, on my own, which was I, I guess a, a new adventure, um, the company I was I, I started working for a, a a British company who was kind of pulling out of France, and they weren't. They, you know, it hadn't worked for them for quite a while. They were a bit fed up with the way it was going. So they kind of wanted to get out. So I took two or three listings from them um, and, and just picked up. In fact, I took off, I took over their little office. They had a little office 
um, just in Antibes, La Galerie du Port, and I took mm. that uh, their little office over as well. It was uh, about seven square meters or something ridiculous. It was tiny. Um, but anyway, that was my first sort of foothold in the brokerage industry, just as 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 a used yacht broker, no new boats, nothing else. And I kind of built that up. In those days, I did, well, in fact, I still do a lot of port walking. I still walk around the port talking to people. Mm. And and I think it's a it's it's a bit of a lost art really port walking and and any any broker out there or any young broker especially I would say is you know I think back in the day I used to sort of be like your worst nightmare of a door-to-door salesman. You know, I would be you know, I would sort of, you know, I would say, you know, hello, can I sell your boat? You know, <laughs> no. Um go away. Okay. Um you know, and that was sort of the approach that I, I took. I just went around saying, is your boat for sale? Is your boat for sale? You know, do you know anyone who's got a boat for sale? You know, I was really quite... Anyway, yeah. Funnily enough, it wasn't terribly... I wasn't terribly successful with that approach. Um, so what I tend to... What I do now is is I sort of say to... Um, you know, if I'm, I, I just go and chat to people, really. You know, I might sort of say an opening line, like, you know, that's a nice boat or... oh I. You know, I've always admired the whatever. Um, I find the French people, I love the French people, uh, Paul Louis, by the way, but I, <laughs> I know the French are very curious, you know, and, and once they've seen you walk up and down the, the quay three or four times, they can't help but want to talk to you about something. You know, they, they, curiosity gets the better of them. So they then start chatting to you and ask what you're doing there, you know, and that's when you sort of gently introduce what you're doing you say, well, actually, I'm a yacht broker and I was walking around. I've got a client looking for an X, Y, Z or whatever. Just, you know, just get in a conversation. Don't try and strong arm them into selling their yacht. You know, just get in a conversation with them and see where that leads. Then they might say, oh, my friend's got a boat for sale. He's on, you know, on the next key, you know, berth number 241. And you run around there and it's got a, you know, Camper and Nicholson sign on it or whatever. But, you know, it doesn't kind of matter. You've just got to, you know, do the legwork and chat to people. And, and, and really, that's what I do. And occasionally, and it is occasionally, you come up and someone says, you know, yes, I, or, you know, you know, my friend Eric or whatever gave me your telephone number. You know, could you want to come down and have a chat aboard my boat and, and see where it goes? Um, I also get referrals from, you know, people I know in the trade, you know, uh, you know, artisans, you know, people who, you yes. know, or, or sometimes surveyors, sometimes, you know, just people I know in the business. Um, what what I think is missing, um, you know, as a characteristic of many brokers is, uh, and it's something that, I, I won't say it's a thing I've developed. It's just a thing of growing older and you, you know, you change as you get older. You know, you have to, I, I think you, I, I become, I've become more authentic. I've become more about helping the, helping mm. the client less about selling the boat. And, you know, it works. It, mm. you know, it really, it, it really works. I, you know, and if you've got a client who, you, you know, you've got to be a little bit careful with it because I've had clients say to me, you know, I really want to buy this, you know, let's just pick a pick a make, you know, a prestige, you know, or something like that. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I really want to buy this Prestige 680, which, by the way, is, you know, not a bad boat. I'm not knocking it. I'm just using it as an apple. But rather than sort of saying, well, you know, really what you ought to be buying is a Ferretti or something like that. You know, if, if they've chosen that mark, then you let them run with it and you just help them buy the best Prestige 680 you can come across rather than try and sell them something else which perhaps is your personal favourite. Because my personal favourite is not particularly somebody else's personal favourite. It's all, it's all a matter of taste. So, Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. And uh, I imagine as a broker, you need to work closely with Shipyard, uh, Yacht Builder. Can you uh, develop a little bit about it, Jonathan? Yeah. I mean, most... most uh, you know, most shipyards, you know, like you take Bonetti or the Italian Sea Group or, you know, any of the Dutch builders. I mean, I've I've been to I've been to Heeson, I've been to Fedship, you know, um, you know, I've been to probably most of the big builders. I've been to a lot of the Italian shipyards on a regular basis. And they're really open to talking to brokers, of course, because we're the people who who bring them clients. And so, you know, just speak to the sales manager, you know, and just say, you know, I'm making a visit to Italy, you know, next week. Mm. Can I come and see you on Wednesday morning? You know, just have, you know, does that work for you? Yeah, by all means. They're normally very hospitable. They'll show you round because they want to show you how good they are at doing their job. And really, that's it. Um, and you just develop a relationship. Um, then how you find a client for that thing is a is a is a different um is a different ball game i mean i i've i've done reasonably well through writing art posts on linkedin and stuff like that mm. you know where um i think one of the most successful posts i did is you know uh top 10 reasons for you know choosing a shipyard or something like that okay. and i think I only put three down And nobody ever asked me what the other seven were, you know. Um, <laughs> but I did. People did make contact with me because of that, because they, you know, they perceived, rightly so, I have to say, that I was no, that I knew what I was talking about when it came to choosing a shipyard. Because you know, there's all sorts of different reasons why you should choose a shipyard, and mm. and maybe your choice of build surveyor is as important as it is to find a shipyard. And you get different shipyards. I, I don't want to name any names, but this. There's a lot of the Italian shipyards who use lots of um, subcontractors. You know, they might mm. have three or four companies who, you know, do the electricity in the yachts, you know, who do all the cabling and all that stuff. And, you know, they might work on, you might be building a 30, 40 meter yacht or 20, well, it doesn't matter what it is. And there's 20, 20 odd companies of subcontractors who will be on that yacht at any one time. Well, if you get the, the the best of all their subcontractors, then you've probably got quite a good chance of getting quite a good boat. If you get all the worst of all their subcontractors, yes, then the chances are your boat's not going to be quite as nice as the as the other one. So it's you know that's when your choice of a build surveyor comes in, and you know at a later stage you might have you know your captain on board as well, and it depends you know. A lot of owners are quite dazzled by their captains. And the captains, in most cases, are not that savvy, not that clever when it comes to yacht building, because they don't know any more about it than mm. I do. You know, but 
what what is important is knowing how much you don't know not how much you do know so if you if you know you don't know then you can speak to someone far cleverer than yourself to go and you know organize it and do a good job and as a broker you you manage these relationships that's what a broker does he doesn't necessarily have to know everything about the yacht himself and about the building process or about every, anything else i don't have to be the best legal mind i don't know i have to be the best at knowing about you know customs duties and all that sort of stuff but i mean while i was just waiting for you to come on come online i had a client who's got a problem with the duane you know with the customs yeah you know and you know he says i've got a problem can you help me can i help him no but do i know somebody who can help him yes yeah. and then i just refer him to this so you know i, okay. I don't know all I know is that I don't know enough to help him directly, but I know enough about, you know, I know I know if he goes and sees this guy in Nice that, you know, who's expert and has a good relationship with the Duane, who could put him put put him put his mind at rest with one phone call, then you know, that's my job done. Okay. And I that's not for reward, that's for just being just putting back, just adding just helping people. Okay, nice. So what kind of benefits can you gain? I mean, to know many shipyards, uh, many project managers, uh, all these uh, people around the yachting industry. Uh, because uh, I, I know that uh, brokers always spend time traveling to visit a lot of shipyards, etc. But why is it so important? You, even if you told me, uh, but if you can, we can develop a little bit, because it's quite interesting, actually. Um. Well, I mean, if if you if you go into Italy, you know, if you, you know, I'm based in the south of France, as I said. But even if you just go into northern Italy, you know, you've got plenty of shipyards between, you know, um, well, really, uh, sort of Savona, mm. you know, onwards all the way around to Via Reggio, and then further south as well. That's so you time. know, you you can go, yeah, you know, Pisa, Via Reggio, mm. whatever. You know, you can go and see, you know. 10 shipyards there without too much trouble um and if you you know you go there i think you learn you learn something every time you go there you see a new process they're doing you see um you know you know you ask questions like you know is the way you learn anything else and you know you see a new process being done or you, you know what are you building here um you know why have you put the galley here? It seems a strange place to put the galley. You know, you, you kind of get their feedback uh, on it. And it's, um, yeah, and you develop a relationship and then it gives you confidence when you're talking to a client and someone says, oh, uh, you know, I quite like Codacasa. You know, you can say, well, I've been to Codacasa. You know, I really, you know, I, you know, I, um, you, know uh, you know, I like the people there, you know, and you just chat. You know, and it's the kind of, you know, what did you see? You say, oh, there's a 62 meter on the, you know, on in the shipyard at the time. You know, it had a bit of a dull interior, but that's kind of owner's choice. But I really like the, you know, I was really impressed by the sort of simplicity of the engineering. You know, um, because it was it wasn't overcomplicated. Mm. You know, where some yards they tend to sort of, to my mind and my humble opinion, they tend to overcomplicate things. Okay. You know, this thing's got. You know, this thing's got, you know, 9,999, you know, backup systems. You know, next thing you know, it's in the shipyard, 
you know, because it's got a problem, something else went wrong. You know, it's with with the marine stuff. You know, I'm I'm really into sort of simplicity in terms mm. of engineering, and and everything else. You know, it's more. Yeah, it's just much easier. So you know, if you say, oh, well, I went to Kodakasa, I really like their sort of their. You know, I, I really like the way they operate. You know, I like their level of engineering. Okay, it's 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 like uh, for your own, uh, I mean, knowledge on on to to develop relationship to uh, to at least know to uh, good give good advice to the, your customer because you know how the the yacht is is built. Yeah, absolutely, and it, it, you know it comes in, it comes in you know it comes in handy. This knowledge is it's building up. You know, you don't go to a you don't go to a yacht broking university. You know, go and study yeah. for three years with um, lecturers telling you about, you know, Fedship and Lewison and Bonetti yeah. and Codacasa and all the Reva and all these other people. You know, you build up your own knowledge by talking to, to owners, by talking to builders, by talking to project managers. Mm, uh, but yeah, that's your university. Yeah, that's, that's the thing for your brokerage. We don't have specific uh, studies for it, so we need to learn everything on the field. Uh, on what is the process of buying a yacht? For example, I am uh, your client, and uh, I, we found the perfect yacht for me. So how it works after that? Um, well, it's, I mean, it's a well-worn path, really, to, to buying a yacht. I mean, the first, the first thing really would be to, you know, get you around to have a look at it. You know, if you, if you found a yacht, so, so I mean, I've got a client at the moment, I'll take the the guy in the US, you know, he's doing his own research and then he sends me links to adverts and he says, Jonathan, could you find out how many hours this thing has and all this sort of stuff. And we've done a couple of what what is, you know, I, I know you wanted to talk to me about technology. One of the, the important things about the technology these days is, of course, doing virtual visits. You know, the other day I was in uh, in Gulf Shuan on a visit or between visits on on yachts we were looking at a um a 23 24 meter yacht in turkey with an american client so mm. we were all on the same call we we're walking around the yacht you know saying oh just show me that you know we're in the engine room you know just show me that generator or whatever again you know and then the client is saying i want to sit look at the you know see how big the 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 shower is because you know i'm kind of a big guy i need to know how big the shower you know so you know how big is that you know put your arm out and turn around so you know they say it saves an awful lot of time um you know when you when you can do these virtual calls so if you take that guy for example you know if he if he liked the yacht um yacht pricing is a, is a whole different you know yacht the the asking price selling price you know is a whole you know it's a complete science yeah. a complete field in itself so let's say um you know this yacht is two million euros he might say well look, i feel comfortable paying you know 1.6 for this so then i speak to the broker and i say look i've I spoken to a client he's looking at an offer about 1.6 and the broker might say to me well you know this is where we're doing a joint brokerage he might say well you know, I've already had offers of 1.6. It's not going to cut it, you know. And so you try and find a price where, you know, both parties are going to be reasonably happy. Um, and then I would say the next stage is to, you know, get the client over, make sure he touches and feels it and likes it. Um, and on that case, 
you know engage a surveyor to 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 make sure what you're what you're buying is what you think it is um i mean there shouldn't really be too much renegotiation done during or after the survey because the condition of the thing should be apparent mm. and and i always try and um as a as a broker want to you know because as a broker you want deals to to stay in bed you know you want the deals to stay so if i've got any bad news i want to tell about the yacht then i like to do that really during the first or second discussion on the yacht so i might say look it's a really nice boat the paint works good you know it's got a good service history everything's good it's in class yeah. but the teak decks are are quite worn and some areas of the teak deck at some stage will need replacing and then the client knows this he's pretty happy if you don't tell him that and then it comes up on survey he's going to say well jonathan you know the teak decks are you know we need to spend 50 100 grand on the on you know renewing some of the teak or you know Th mm. then the whole deal goes south very quickly but if you've told him he's made his offer accordingly because he knows he's got to spend some money on the teak and so he sees the survey or the surveyor speaks to him he says yeah yeah i knew about the teak i've already been told all about that you know i'm pretty cool with that you know in a way and the deal sort of carries on um so that would be the process so you make an offer uh you normally pay a deposit um at that time either to the to the listing broker or to a lawyer more and more lawyers get involved in these things these days you know they put it in an escrow account subject to the terms and conditions of the contract mm. we use the MEBA contract the mediterranean yacht yep. brokers association contract which is quite straightforward it's a bit long-winded but it's quite straightforward and quite fair i think to both parties you know there's caveats for the for the buyer you okay. know um, so he can, you know, can exit stage left if he really wants to. Um, and yeah, then we just move to completion upon, you know, proof of paperwork, really. And that's and and, okay. and that's it. It's quite a sort of simple process. It's quite buying a yacht is quite an emotive process. You know, most most things you buy. Well, I don't say most things. A lot of things you buy mm -hmm. in your life, you know, are, you know, they're they're sort of rational decisions. You know, when you buy a computer, you know, you think, okay, well, it's got, you know, it's two gigabytes of storage. It's got this processor, yeah. whatever. It's got this size screen. Yeah, that will do for me. And you and you buy it and it's kind of, an, you know, and it's your work tool for the next three years or whatever. Um, you know, when you buy a boat, it's hugely emotive. It's a very emotional buy for most people. You know, it's an emotional um, yes. purchase. Yes. Because, you know, in fact if you you know because it is um it can be a hassle owning a yacht unless you have a, a yacht manager really and any size of yacht i mean a ridiculous illustration but i'll use it nonetheless i bought a, a little six meter rib 6.25 meter rib to keep in on teeb you know so when my uh kids came down to stay you know, we could we could go out, you know, water skiing or just go yeah. to the islands or whatever. And I got fed up with this thing, you know, because um, I, I was always arranging insurance or survey or uh, sorry, servicing or you know where to keep it in the uh, off season, trying yeah. to find a berth for it. You know, it was a, uh, and then I found myself checking on it all the time. 
you know mm. um is the cover still on it it'd been a big wind you know is the cover still on it you know i wasn't really that emotionally attached to this thing because i really bought it for other people you know for the, my kids yeah. to use and stuff um so it became a hassle um and that's not how i got into yacht management but i did get into yacht management by um a client saying look i really don't want the hassle of running this thing i've got plenty of other stuff to do i've got businesses to run i don't know anything about yachting particularly so i want you to do it for me and that's kind of how i you know got into yacht management was by you know someone saying i just don't want the hassle i want i i want you to do it and he had been referred to me and so away i went and he's got a uh 24 meter yard i mean i've got a few clients now but that's how i started and actually when when you look at what a yacht manager does and i'm not trying to pitch for myself i'm just trying to say as a general mm. as a as a because I, I i i if i have a client who wants me to do bigger boat yacht management i won't do it i would refer him to someone um because i'm you know I don't have the time, the energy, or the expertise really to do it. But I know plenty of people who do, you know, who do ISM and stuff, which I don't. Yeah. I know a little bit about, but probably a dangerous amount, or enough to know that I don't know much about it. That's how much I know about it. Um, <laughs> but the, you know, when it comes to smaller boat yacht management, you know, I engage the crew, I find the berth, I sort out his insurance. He had an insurance claim uh, this year when the boat next door cracked into it. Oh. You know. It wasn't a big deal, but we got a, a sworn statement from the captain of the boat who knocked into it. You know, we took photographs. Mm. We, you know, liaised with both insurance companies. You know, it was quite a lot of work. We did the re-registration because the yacht had before before I got hold of it had been registered in Panama, which is a crazy place to put a register a pleasure yacht. You know, yeah. we then had to change the flag and do the temporary. You know, there's all sorts of things we did which the client is aware of because we've just told him, you know, we want to do this. They say, yeah, I'm cool with that. And when it comes to the maintenance, we just come up with a budget of what we think we need to spend. And then we go through it and and, and he'll say, is that really necessary? And I say, to my mind, it is. Mm. He says, okay, we'll do it. Um, what about that? Well, I'd kind of like to do that. And he says, well, that's seven grand. It's Let's uh, live yeah. without that. It's very important what you say. You mentioned that as a shipbroker, sometimes you need to add value by providing additional services. Um, it can be like be uh, the intermediate between the yacht manager and uh, and the the owner, but it can be as well uh, helping to find a berth for the for the boat or, or other services. Yeah, absolutely, and I mean that just comes really with the territory, and uh, you know you, you you know people come to you as a resource, and it's you know and it's the same you know i you know I, I i like cycling and you know i've got friends who help me or people who you know who are better cyclists than me or you know who have, you know when i have a problem with my bike you know i take it to a bike shop you know because they look after it you yeah. know and they'll they know how to do this stuff and i know they're going to take care of me i don't have to worry that they're you know ripping me off or whatever they just fix it and give it back to me and away i go again and and you so you need a resource and with a yacht it's kind of complicated because it's not just buying of the yacht it's it's keeping it maintaining it in some cases crewing it you know sometimes they get calls saying you know um you know people self-manage their yachts and they might say oh you know my captain's going on holiday for two weeks um 
I had some friends stay on the boat last weekend. You know, all the laundry's dirty, the boat's dirty. I need a captain mm. for the weekend, and you know, so you you go and you help out, and uh, you know, you 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 find a way of getting it done, okay, um, and helping people, you know, getting getting the job done. Okay, very interesting. Uh, on now, uh, let's ask this question because everyone wants to know about the commission. I know that it's basically it's like six uh, percent if you find the the buyers and four percent if you 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 represent the the boat. Is it is it like that or it can it depends actually? It it, it does depend, um, and it's quite an interesting subject. Commission, um, you know. Uh, you know a lot of people say well 10 percent is is a lot to charge and it's plus vat if it's an all-commercial yacht so 10 percent plus that and then mm. you know it does it does add up and there is you know there you know if I've, I've i've often looked at disruptive models you know if you look at the airline industry you know there's places full of disruptive models and not all of them have survived you know i mean i i use easyjet a lot you know and yeah. i'm damn glad they're there you know i'm Same. really <laughs> i'm really pleased they're there you know I, I probably take an average of one flight a week with easyjet you know wow and i like their service i can ring up i can change flights at no cost you know because i'm a member of whatever club it is um you know i'm really happy they're there um and uh yeah And, and I'm always looking at these disruptive models and I always think, I always think, well, you know, 10% plus VAT or 10% is a hell of a lot of money to charge. And, you know, would, w you know, would it change the industry if there was a, a, a disruptor in there? And yes, it would. But <laughs> I, I don't think there's any real sensible way. Of, I don't think there's a real sensible way of doing it because, you know, there's, There's, there's there's a lot of stages you can cut out i mean if you if you go okay 10% plus that or whatever 10% you know that that was sort of um i won't say set in stone but that was established a long time ago when we were all doing magazine advertising i mean i can remember placing adverts in boat international and what mm. have you you know 2000 you know pounds a page you know boat international you know motorboat and yachting back in the day you know, about £1,200, you know, for a page. You know, it was a lot of money. We were spending a lot of money on on advertising and boat shows also, you know, a lot of money. You still spend a lot yeah. of money on that now. But, you know, certainly on print advertising, it cost a fortune. Yeah. Then we went to the internet, which is relatively inexpensive. You know, you can buy, um, you know, for sort of 200 euros a month or 200, you know, you can, you can be, you can, You can join all all these portal websites that sort of you know for a couple hundred bucks a month. And you say, well, it's easy, you know. I, there's my boat; it's worth a million euros, Jonathan, and you're going to charge me a hundred thousand euros to come around and take some pictures of it and advertise mm -hmm. it on the internet, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and well, you know, if it worked that that easily, then it'd be fantastic. But it's not really like that because a uh, you know a broker does quite a lot of things, um, you know, for for you know for that money i mean i've got a boat in for sale in croatia at the moment in trogir and i've probably i've probably made at least 10 at least 10 visits to that yacht 
well from nice you know and it's not and 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 it, it it's near split and it's really difficult to get to from nice you know quite often mm. have to fly through the uk or through vienna through frankfurt through munich you know i'm a i'm now world's leading expert at how to get to split from nice because you know i've done it so many times yeah. so many different airports i've done it through rome i've done it through paris you know vienna frankfurt oh. you know i've done it you know so every vi every every visit has to be accompanied and that can be another broker it can be another broker with this client it can be a direct mm. client you know and it's a uh, you know, so it's it's that you know that that's why we do a lot of uh, running about. You know, a lot of travel is because we, you know, we have to do a lot of travel because you know you have to build up a relationship with the with the client. You have to build up a relationship with the yacht. It, with a bigger boat, you build up a relationship with the yacht crew. You mm. get to know the yacht. You know, so yes. there's a there's a lot to earning your commission. And and if clients said, look, okay, I want to pay, I don't want to pay ten percent. I'm quite happy to pay, you know, five percent. Okay. Say, okay, well, pay five percent. But these are the things you're going to have to take care of and do it on a menu basis. Then, you know, I've thought about disruptive models, and there's been companies that have come in and said, oh, you know, we're going to charge four percent. They fold. They don't last. They don't make enough money. And if you don't make enough money, because it's not a high volume business. Yeah, you know, if somebody give you know, if if all you owners out there get together and give me fifty yachts for sale, then we'll work wonders on the commission. But you know, when you know, like most brokers are struggling to to list enough yachts, you know, that's kind of that's kind of the the rub. So the commissions are high. I think they're probably you know. Somebody's going to give one of these days. Some someone clever enough to do a proper market disruptive model will come in. But yeah. to answer your question, which you asked about twenty minutes ago, um, it is yeah. The sort of headline commission rate is ten percent in the UK. It's less. It's eight oh. or six. You know, um, they're hard negotiators. The Brits. Um, it's less, um, and normally you do a commission split. It, you it it. Traditionally, it's been 60 40, 60 to the to the to the brokerage house bringing the client and 40 to the listing broker. OK, yeah. as time has gone on, I've sort of said to people, well, look, you know, it's so difficult to get listings and you have to work at them so much that it's a 50 50 mm. split, you know. OK. And, and most people are kind of happy with that. OK. OK. So it actually depends the. The politics of each company is of uh, each individuals. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Quite interesting. Okay. Uh, I want to ask you three last questions. So, okay. the, so, <laughs> so number one, uh, can you describe, I know it's, uh, it depends, but the daily tasks as a yacht broker. Okay. Well, uh, my first task in the morning is to uh, check that I've answered all the inquiries that have come through the day before. Um, I then kind of go through the yachts I've got on on management and see what I have to if there's anything that needs mm. to be done for any of those particular yachts. Um, I've got some registration issues to do on one at the moment, which I you know I need to go to go. So I just kind of th go through as a sort of list of what I need to do. Then I might pick a specific boat 
um you know like at the moment i got uh we've had some new photography done on the and a new video done of the animals so what i'll do then is go through all the old inquiries go through the database and send that individually to all the new all the old inquiries and say here's some up-to-date information they may, might not be interested but you know it's it's um you know mm -hmm. if they are gonna if they were interested then you know there's a good chance that that would refresh their memory you know it comes yeah. back to the top of the pile and really that's it um you know you know today i've been arranging uh you know arranging meetings for next week I've got a meeting in 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 uh, Beaulieu on Tuesday. Yeah. On on Wednesday, I might. I'm probably going to have to go back to Trogir. I'm just waiting for that. So you know, need to arrange, you know, transport for that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just a, 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 and the week kind of fills up. It's a little bit. I mean, it's a great job in in some respects. Is it, it can be quite unpredict. You know, it's quite unpredictable, but it's quite difficult to plan. You know, a, a yes. time. I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm in the UK at the moment. I'm supposed to be in Trogir today, but that was can that was uh, cancelled or pushed till next week. Oh, uh, okay. You so know? it's every time you need to change plan, yeah. Yeah, so it's changing plan. So it wouldn't suit somebody who doesn't like change. Yeah, okay, okay. On the can you share with us because at the beginning you told that you did many mistakes. On the, can you share any anecdotes you have uh, in your journey? Uh, you can share one of the, those mistakes or another thing as you want um mistakes god where do i start um yeah i can't think of i i think okay I, I'll, i'll give you one one mistake i made which was um um uh, probably about 15 years ago i mean it just goes to show how you know you can you know it's it's being a broker is attention to detail mm. and it and if you haven't got a very good attention to detail and you're not well organized then you really have to compensate for this by being really quite manic about it you know you really you really have to um you know naturally i don't have great attention to detail and so I, i i really have to be super organized and i make lots of notes and i have a, a notebook and i write everything down okay. um, to make to try and ensure that i don't overlook things And mm. I once had a client who had a, a, a 27-meter um, azimuth, which he asked me to sell. And I was very happy to sell it for him. And he told me it was VAT paid. And I said, okay. And he was a, you know, a, a successful businessman. Um, and I did check the VAT. I had quite a lot of information on the yacht. I had the certificate of registry and all this sort of stuff, which doesn't really, doesn't prove anything. And I did not check the VAT status of the oh. yacht. Um, when it came to, I had a client, really nice, really nice Dutch, Dutch guy, really very gentle soul. Thank God, as it turns out. <laughs> um, he uh, entered into negotiations for the yacht He, you know, as a tax paid boat, he made an offer. I can't remember how much it was. It was, you know, it was a chunk of change. It was like, I don't know, 1.5, 1.8 million or something like that. And when I went to a pre-closing meeting, it was, it soon became apparent that the v, that the VAT had not been paid. So then, oh. 
then that started a legal fight. So, and it got, uh, you know, it got quite, uh, you know, with, with lawyers, it got quite, I mean, it didn't get expensive for me because as a, as a broker, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm by no means protected, but I just said, you know, this is between you two. And these two guys were slinging mud and lawyers at each other for quite a while. And yeah, it was eventually sorted out. And, you know, my nice Dutch guy um, did lose, you know, he lost probably, you know, 20,000 euros mm. or something like that in legal fees. Oh, well, um, okay. So it was, you know, a bad situation. It was caused by me not checking. Um, oh, but I will tell you this, Paul Louis, because it was quite funny. About three years later, three years after this, it all died down, all gone away. I was walking, I was at the Cannes Yacht Show and I was walking down the boulevard down by the Palais des Festivals. Okay. And this giant Dutch guy was walking towards me. I mean, he's unmistakable. He's about two meters tall, quite okay. tall. And, um, and there was only us two really at that moment walking down the, the, the quay. And he saw me and I saw him and, you know, <laughs> just, you know, our eyes met. And uh, so I thought, oh, my God, you know. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he, he, just, he just came up and I said hello and he said hello. And I said, look, I, I'm really sorry. I'm really, really sorry. I really did. You know, I, I made a mistake. I messed up. And he put his hand on my, I, I promise you, this is true. He put his hand on my shoulder and he said, that's okay, Jonathan. I forgive you. Oh, wow. And he shook, <laughs> and we shook hands and he walked off. Right. And that was kind of it, you know. And then about, I don't know, about, I don't know, it must have been five years later, at least, maybe more. He rang me one day and said, um, can, I, can I invite you to lunch? And I said, I said, well, I'll come for lunch with you, but if anyone's paying, it's got to be me, okay? And he said, okay, you know. So we went, we went for lunch in Golf Chouin and we had a, you know, nice chat. And uh, and anyway, he said, I want to buy a, a, another boat, and he was looking at just like a fifteen meter sort of speedy boat thing, you know, um, to keep uh, near Saint Tropez. And uh, and I said, I said, I said, this is really nice. I'm really pleased, you know, you're talking to me. And he said, and I said, why are you, you know, after the last time, you know, where I made such a monumental mistake, why are you trusting me as a broker? And he said, well, you're not going to make the same mistake again, are you? <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I said, no, I don't think I am. And uh, so since, yeah, so that's kind of, yeah. So if you make a mistake, learn by it. And, and hopefully it will be with a big, gentle Dutchman, you know. Okay, nice. <laughs> I, I live in the Netherlands, so it's full of Dutch, uh, uh, giant Dutch people. They are, but... they are, they are enormous, <laughs> aren't they? I mean, there's there's no way I could avoid this guy walking down the quay. And uh... I try to compensate. So I go to the gym to to look a little <laughs> bit bigger, you know, but it, it doesn't work anyway. <laughs> no, I know the so, feeling. Yeah. Yeah, and now I want to ask you this question, more fun. What is your favorite boat, uh, shipyard, or yacht builder? Ah, okay. Um, well, really good question. Um, the answer is I don't really know. I kind of, there's lots of manufacturers I like. I mean, you can't help. I mean, I've been to Fedship, you know, who, are, you know, I've been to Amels, you know, I've been to, you know, 
and you go to these places and your mind is blown you know by the perfection and the you know the scale of the whole thing you know you've got a you've got a 90 meter yacht in a hall being painted or something you know and mm. you know, it takes them a year to paint it or something you know it's nuts you know the place is you know the place is crazy so it's you 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 cannot help but be really impressed with you know some of the uh some of these shipyards um but in terms of fun um i, I don't you know for for me you can it, it's more about the you know it sounds really corny and i don't mean it sound it's more about the people you're with and you know i it would be great to be on one of these 100 and 100 meter fed ships you know but personally i would feel uncomfortable about where i sit down and oh, yeah. you know spilling my coffee or whatever you know I mean, it's just <laughs> it's just too precious and i'm not precious about cars so i don't have a a prestige shiny car you know i have a you know quite an ordinary day-to-day -day car mm. um you know because i don't want to worry about it you know I, I you know it's not in my makeup so i think you know i mean it's a it's not really a plug for the yacht, but I mean, I, I've got this lovely yacht, this Amals 50 meter for sale called Mercury 2001 yacht. And it's just nice. I, I, you know, I've, I've been to sea in it. It, you know, it's, it's a beautiful, you know, it's like a, an old lady, you know, it sort of glides effortlessly through the water. It's, it's a motor yacht. Huh? Sorry. It's a motor yacht. Yeah. Big, big, big motor yacht. It's 720 gross tons. Okay. And, you know, you just, you know, it's it's a you know you go into some big seas and you know it's you know super smooth. There's no vibration. It's very quiet. And for me, I I could I could have fun on on a yacht mm. like that. You know, I I don't think I could have a have much fun. You know, on a sort of hundred meter something or other. And and I like smaller boats as well. Was that you know nowadays in in France as you know we've got this twenty four meter limit um, for for anchoring for ah uh, yes anchoring mm. closely into 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 the you know like the Ile de l'Eran or whatever yes I've, I've heard about it yeah it was yeah. few years ago now yeah but mm. it, they're getting more and more strict and they're implementing yeah. it much more so you know sort of smaller yachts excite me really and and you know little sailboats you know so i'm a, i'm a yachting boating enthusiast I, I i i didn't come prepared enough to say that i had a favorite i haven't really got one <laughs> yes makes sense actually yeah yeah that's very interesting. Yeah, uh, for me, I'm a big fan. I'm a sailor, so for me, sailing boat is it makes more sense. But I don't say no, you know, to a Van Dutch. I really like this uh, yes. open uh, open day uh, boat, uh, motor boat, which is just the design, very classy and perfect for me. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, good fun. Yeah. So anyway, um, I'm surrounded by very beautiful shipyards in the Netherlands. We have Damen shipyard, we have Amel, Sochanko, Viters, uh, Royal Usman. We have so many of them, and, f and it's very close uh, each of them. So it's it's not a big country, so it's quite easy to travel around. So yes, it's a paradise for maritime enthusiasts uh, to live here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. Jonathan, thank you very much for this uh, episode, podcast episode. It was very interesting. You bring a lot of value for people who want to know more about your your job as a yacht broker. So thank you for that. And I wish you all the best. And to you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening and watching this episode. We are looking forward to bring you more inspiring stories from maritime professionals, experts, and students. Do not hesitate 
to leave a review on Apple Podcast and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Your support means a lot to us and it greatly helps in our continuous growth. We committed to bringing you more exciting episodes with passionate guests.